0: Welcome to the Mosh Zone episode 166, week 166, volume 166, number fucking 166, hang on guys how's your week been, thank you for tuning in, this week's guest is Ryan of Bleeding Through and also of Light the Torch and that will be coming up later in the show. So we're starting off this week's show with our Album of the Month. You guys have been asking for me to bring back album reviews, so I thought the natural and easiest way to do it is every month I feature an album that you need to check out. The Album of the Month for June is Wrist Meat Razor's album, Replica of a Strange Love. Now, I have spent nothing but consume this album for the last week or two, This album is outstanding. It is modern metalcore meets a throwback to early 2000s metalcore. But when I say that, I don't feel like I'm really doing it any justice. For me, this album needs to be listened from front to back. Like This is an album where time has been put into it for the listening experience. So make sure when you do listen to this, go from track one all the way to the end. This has got riffs, it's got chugs, it's moody, it's got goth feels. And the thing about this that's also outstanding is it sticks in your fucking brain. Metalcore for me as a genre has been kind of lackluster for the last few years. You know, there's occasionally a band that pops up with an album that's good. But Wrist Meat Razor has made an album that makes me excited for this genre again. This is a band that has big fucking things on the horizon. You need to get into this band now, off the back of this album. Without a doubt, this is an album of the year contender. I highly fucking recommend it. For me, this album was easy to score. It's an easy, well-deserved 9 out of 10. Make sure you go and check this album out this week. The album is titled Replica of a Strange Love. The band is called Wrist Meat Razor and it's out now. Also this week, when you have digested and really consumed the fuck out of that album, make sure you also go back and listen to our chat with the vocalist Justin from the band in case you haven't yet. He came on our show on episode 162. Enough of the ramblings, enough of the jibber-jabber, let's get into the main part of the show. This week I got to sit down with Ryan of Bleeding Through and also of Light the Torch. First thing I've got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and The Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Ryan joined Bleeding Through around 2002, and he's been part of six albums and more music on the way. Light the Torch, or formerly known as Devil You Know, one album under the Light the Torch name, but also... Two albums under Devil You Know. Light the Torch are about to release their new album. It is titled You Will Be the Death of Me. That sees its release June 25th through Nuclear Blast Records. Now Ryan and I have been back and forth in communication for probably about a year and a half. Now, because the album was delayed with release and because of COVID, we had to shelve our chat for a while. We stayed in touch, we kept working on things, so I'm stoked to finally get him on the show. I'm a diehard fucking Bleeding Through fan, so for me, this is a big moment for me. Ticks a list, ticks the bucket list off. Great dude, really relaxed, really enjoyable. I had a fucking blast. I enjoyed this chat. I hope you do too. That chat with Ryan is coming up now. So everyone gets the same start-off question, and that is, you know... When you were growing up, do you remember discovering a band and becoming obsessed with it? And I don't mean heavy band. Like, for me, the first band I loved was Aerosmith. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. I loved Aerosmith. Was there a band for you?
1: Um, I think, let's see, I think the, the thing that really got me started with music uh, was listening to old records. My mom... Uh, was a stay at home mom when I was a little kid and uh, she would have records laying around the house and it'd always be like Zeppelin and Sabbath and Ted Nugent and stuff like that. And I remember AC/DC specifically, just, I mean, kind of a iconic voice. So, I mean, depending either singer, it's just, you, you hear it, you know it. So I think that kind of got me started on the music. And then I'm trying to think what, bass related thing i heard when i was when i was younger like elementary school up until like freshman year of high school i, I like the chili peppers i like that blood sugar sex magic record Oh yeah, and uh that that record specifically i think out of all all of theirs that they had that one was the kind of motive motivated to push me to pick up the bass but i was a i was a punk rock kid i listened to dead kennedys and misfits and you know minor threat and all that stuff so I liked playing that stuff. I liked listening to bands like Chili Peppers and trying to learn that stuff. But I wanted to do the punk rock or, you know, band. The first band I ever did was a, a pop punk band nonetheless, but I quickly branched out into metal and hardcore from there
0: what were you like as a kid with um discovering music was it literally just what was being played in the house or in the car or on the radio is that how you kind of discovered bands or was it did you have a network of people in school that kind of
1: would show you bands yeah at at first at first it was just kind of what was on the radio my sister listened to a lot of music so whenever we were in the car uh she would be you would know exactly who was on the radio and it was all over the place we had some pretty decent stations when we were younger um but i pretty much i had some friends that listened to some good music and then there was a place where i lived at called the cd listening bar and it was i mean i don't even think you'd be able to do it nowadays but you could go there and you could give them your id and then you could just go pick up cds on the shelf and like they'll open them and you can just listen to them it didn't cost any money i don't know how it bent i mean i guess it sold more records but you could listen to something preview it so i would just go look at the shelves and be like oh man i always you know i always say like when i saw the first the hate breed record with hate breed and flames i'm just like well, obviously I have to check that out. So <laughs> I kind of, it was 50-50 friends and just discovering music, going to shows. Man,
0: I remember that as well, like with the listening to music, you used to be able to go to a CD store and you'd see a band that was on the label that you knew but you didn't know the band. You could go up there and they'd let you listen to it and then you could make your mm-hmm. decision. It. I don't think that's existed for a long time.
1: Yeah, it's 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 been a hot minute. I mean... Our last real major record store closed down years ago. so there's really no like musical type hangout places. You know they had this the magazine racks and the 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 DVD box set room. I mean it was like kind of a cool place to go. They need to bring stuff like that back,
0: yeah, and all those all those forms of media have pretty much you know faded out. I mean, magazines are on um, everything now down in australia magazines wise they have a digital edition so you know you subscribe and you get it on your phone it's crazy how things yeah have kind of transitioned
1: yeah it's it man when growing up like bass player magazine guitar player magazine all that stuff and now it's like get it digitally it's just nah, it's just not the same
0: no no it's not the same at all um you, you know, so you're in, you're in high school and, you know, you're getting into bass and you're getting into your punk rock stuff, but when do you think bass turned from being something that you just kind of wanted to do to something that you were dedicated and passionate about?
1: Let's see. Uh, I'd probably say by my sophomore year of high school, by the time I got my driver's license, it was band practice all the time. And that's all I ever wanted to do. So pretty much right around fifteen, sixteen, it was you know, school second. I got good enough grades that I didn't get yelled at by my parents, let me play bass and uh just kinda mess with it and in my room learned a bunch of songs and then I ended up meeting someone that played guitar and he knew a dude that played drums and it was pretty much game on from then on. I I couldn't even tell you the last time in my life like when i was from 15 or 16 to graduating high school i think i had band practice twice a week every every fucking every week just about
0: <laughs> well i mean clearly i mean that school became secondary it became not the thing you wanted to do <laughs> yeah but that's natural. Yeah. Anyone that's into music and wants to pursue it like yourself, I mean, that's natural. What about, you mentioned, you know, getting out to shows. Um, what age were you when you started getting out to local shows? And did that play a big part in your musical discovery as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank- thankfully, growing up in Orange County, California, they've, they have had and still have, and they get shut down every once in a while. All ages clubs everywhere i mean they used to have the showcase theater they still have chain reaction they have the observatory these uh i think they still got the doll head. i'm not quite sure if i remember that one or not but there's always been a place for people to go see shows so i were in high school i was probably going to two shows a week mm-hmm. and as long as it was like a hardcore indie band or something like that i knew if i went i'd know a few people there so like you didn't even have to go with anybody to just show up I mean, I think when it comes to hardcore and punk rock, most kids can relate to that. It's like, you just know you're going to see the same people every time you go.
0: Yeah. It's a sense of community that I think anyone that loves the punk rock, heavy metal, hardcore scene loves is that community is an important, integral part of people loving the
1: music. Yeah, for sure. I had friends that I never hung out with ever except for at shows. They just, you know, they lived further away or, whatever and you just you knew you'd always talk you'd be like see you at the next show and, you know that was for me it was before uh cell phones
0: yeah so, yeah you know. i mean i think everyone can relate to that that's in our age they're, bracket yeah. yeah the closest
1: thing that kids can relate to now i think is you know there were message there were starting to be message boards and stuff like that
0: yeah so you could, like keep in
1: touch with people that way through like social media but other than that it would just be like hey are you going to whatever show next week at you know showcase And they're like, yeah i'll see you there it's also crazy
0: Also crazy looking back, you know, I mean, I've had a couple other people that were in the Orange County scene. It's quite crazy looking back how big some of those bands became and how many people say it was a very influential scene to be a part of. I mean, looking back on it, do you ever think, wow, I was very fortunate to be a part of the Orange County scene?
1: Oh, absolutely. I I, I think I kind of owe a lot of my career of doing, you know, heavy music. I, I owe it to moving to orange County. I mean, we, you know, families, Iowa city, we lived in La Mesa, California, down in San Diego. And then we moved here when I was, I can't remember how old I was when we moved here, but most of my social life is all orange County. And if it wasn't for this, I mean, there, there were, Growing up, there were kids everywhere. And then as soon as I got old enough to start going to, you know, 14, getting dropped off, going to shows, I think was when I started going. And, I mean, there were just kids your age everywhere, all ages shows everywhere.
0: Some of the bands that have come out of it too, though, you know, uh, Bleeding Through is an obvious one, you know, you were in that. But then you look at other ones like a tray you. 18 visions. Um, I think Avenged yeah. Sevenfold was part of it. I think, you know, it's
1: insane. Yeah. Death the, by stereo. And Death then we got all stereo. the old, the, you know, the old hardcore bands throw down, all those bands.
0: It's insane. I the mean, talent, it's something it, in the water. Yeah.
1: The, the age that I grew up in going to shows in high school, there was like hard, hardcore shows were still so good. And there were like a lot of the older bands that were still around they were still playing shows, you know, before they were having like reunion shows and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a lot of fun. What's the,
0: um, Orange County scene like nowadays though? I mean, is it still flourishing or is it kind of dipped down a bit?
1: I mean, it's, it's slowed down. I mean, I don't, um, hell half the time I'm out backpacking and fishing. I don't even know what's going (laughs) on, but, um, I mean, you don't, you don't hear as much of it. You don't see as much of it. Like there's, there's a couple like outdoor mall type things that we have around here. And it used to be like pretty much any night of the week, especially weekends, you'd you'd see like your your stereotypical hardcore kid or punk rock kid or whatever. And you just don't see it as much anymore. I know, you know, the music's still holding holdin strong. There's some great bands that have been coming out. But I mean, I it's definitely slowed down. I don't know what. What that era of Orange County hardcore was, but a lot of those bands they all shared members too. Mm,
2: mm.
1: Eighteen Visions, what, what was it? Eighteen Visions, Throwdown, Death by Stereo, and Animaniam, I believe, all had members of this of the same bands in mm. So Crazy. it was like they just like you know putting on different hats, playing in different bands and. You know, ever since I started playing with uh, WNL slash Lights and Torch, I've been doing bleeding through as well. So it's like, it's just like a thing. I don't know what it is. So many people do two bands. <laughs> it's so strange. You know, you don't hear a ton of it, but it happens. But a lot of people did it in Orange County.
0: Yeah, it it seems like you said very, very, very common. Um, now yeah. how, how many bands did you kind of dabble in? before you found your way into Bleeding Through? I mean, you mentioned a pop-punk one, but how... Yeah, yeah, one? I
1: just played just a local local band. We only played a couple shows here and there, just guys from high school. And then uh, I pretty much, just from going to hardcore shows, hardcore metal shows, knowing people, just, just networking the old-school way, just hanging out, high five and meeting people in real life, and just by chance, having connections, kind of... You know a few people in the hardcore scene. They know a few people, and they know a few people. And then rumor gets out. Someone loses a member, and hey, I got a guy that plays an instrument. If you're looking for someone, so <laughs> it happens.
0: It's crazy. And when you joined, you joined in 2002 ish. Um, yeah. This was before Bleeding Through had, you know, I I would say blown up on the on the underground scene, but they were obviously big in Orange County. And when you yeah. when you joined, was there any sense of pressure and expectation that you have gone up a gear in
1: the ladder of bands? I mean, personally, yeah, for sure. I'm I'm really hard on myself most of the time, so I you know I stress myself out and you know give myself a panic attack over nothing. But I had a, a, a friend who knew a singer, and he had mentioned you know my name. Cause uh, at the time Mick was in 18 visions as well and they were going to Europe. So he, they, you know, they were out a base player for however long he was gone, but they had two tours. So originally it was just going to be like a fill in gig, but yeah, it was, you know, getting a phone call from the guys and I had never met any of them. And then it was just like a, not, do you want to try out Is uh, we need somebody for the next like month or two, we have two tours can you do it? And I just had to like, be like, yeah. <laughs> and then after hanging up the phone and be like, all right, I got to figure this out. Never played metal before. I liked it. I'd always listened to it. I loved that genre, hardcore and metal crossover, but I'd never played it. I played in a pop punk band. I liked all styles of music, but that's the kind of band I was in and I hadn't been in a metal band yet. So I was playing guitar in like a crust punk, hardcore band at the time just sticking around with friends and we played shows, but this was like a real, I didn't, it wasn't even a tryout. It was just, can you do it? Yes or no. And then we leave for tour in a couple of days.
0: It's not just the stylistic change. You were also coming into a band that, you know, just became a touring horse. I mean, is is that something Mm -hmm. for you that you could adjust to because bleeding through were renowned for being a band that got on the road and grinded it out and going from not doing that to doing that would have been quite a culture shock.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I actually didn't meet anybody. I had conversations with Brandon on the phone a couple of times and, you know, giving give me the set list and, you know, checking in to see how I was doing. But uh, I didn't meet him until the night before we left. We actually ran into each other at a restaurant. And, uh, in the, This place called Taco Loco in Laguna Beach, just kind of iconic for like hardcore kids. But um, just kind of walked up to him and be like, "Hey man, I'm I'm the dude that's gonna be traveling with you and playing bass." And we kind of had a laugh, and then he's like, "All right, cool. I'll see you tomorrow." And (laughs) I literally went like what you said. I went from I've I had only driven out of town to play a show like maybe three times in my life, and I'm talking like two hours away, (laughs) something like that. And it was a big deal because, you know, it'd be like one, two shows a year that you'd play that far away from home when you're in high school. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely the the shock was when it was my turn to drive and I'd <laughs> never driven a trailer before. Mm. So they're like, all right, everyone else is driven. You, you know, it's your, it's your turn to drive. Everyone takes shifts. And I'm like, I've never driven a trailer for and <laughs> I forget who said it. Someone just goes, well, you're going to learn now. <laughs> And it was literally just like pull a turn in the parking lot and get on the highway and figure it out. I mean, thankfully it was a small trailer. We were still pretty young and not touring in big tours yet. But my first tour was uh, <laughs> of all bands, Avenged Sevenfold opening, uh, and then I think it was us, and then God forbid, and Shadows Fall. Gee,
0: yeah, there you yeah, go. yeah.
1: We did a full U.S. tour, and then yeah, but like hitting places, you know, I'd never been in New York before, and being a West Coast kid, it's just so different. It's just kind of yeah, I, I had traveled in 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 my life before, so like it wasn't so much. I mean, yeah, I guess you still get a bit of a culture shock because there's so many different cultures in the United States. Like every state has their thing, so. I mean it was super exciting I was young and it's exactly what I wanted to do so I was beyond stoked so the culture shock was like a welcome but yeah it it's a it definitely takes a certain group of people to be able to get along and travel like that and just like it's work it it's a fun job but it's definitely work
0: yeah and it's something that not everyone can do you know like you said you came in to it and you hadn't met anyone and then suddenly you're sharing a confined space with these people for extended periods of time yeah they become your family and some people can't do it because the other side of it that people forget is while your life is still moving forward your life at home you're no longer a part of except for a couple of times a year
1: yeah a lot of people don't think about that I think you put that really well too you're not you're not Definitely, you're not part of your home life no, when you're
0: gone. No. Um, you're a phone
1: call, that's it.
0: Yeah, you know, you don't, see, you don't see birthdays, funerals, engagements, you know, all of these kind of things. It, it, it needs to, you know, take a back step um, to what you're pursuing. Um, obviously, for you guys, what helped was the boom in the scene at the time. You know, you look at around 2003 when you guys released This Is Love, This Is Murderous. The scene was going off. I mean, you guys were up there with all the bands that were just blowing up. And did it feel like a whirlwind time for you
1: guys? Yeah, we got, I think, the combination of how willing to, how hard to tour we were willing to get out on the road and work, that mixed with the luck of the the times, like what you said that record couldn't have come out at a better time. And we kind of had the the image to go with it. And there weren't a whole lot of bands in our genre that had like synth or anything, let alone like a female in the band. So mm. now you have this em- emphasis of like girls can look up to a band and it's cool to see one of their own on stage. I mean, shit, you see anything like I'm short and I'm bald. I see a short bald dude on stage killing it. I'm like, there's my people. <laughs> so it's like, you know, everyone has someone that's like, all right, cool. You know, when I see someone rocking out on stage, but yeah, we, uh, hard work mixed with a little bit of luck. We got, we, we got right in there at the perfect time.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think it also helped that the music, you know, you're underplaying the music too. I mean, the music is just, even today you go back and it's, it's banger after yeah, banger. Thanks. Um you know it, it helps that also you guys had a the momentum of following up with, you know, albums like The Truth and then Declaration. Mm. But you guys didn't seem to stop. Um, it seemed to be always on the grind, but it all also felt like and I don't mean this as an insult, but you guys were the underdogs. It felt like you guys were always fighting to gain the place that all these other bands were getting to.
1: No, well, for for sure. I think there was a there was a lot of stuff, I think, that we got shafted on. Uh, some of it came from being young and dumb and not knowing any better. You know, just not making right deals, maybe. Uh, but then also, like, I just... I don't know. Maybe we didn't have the right people in our court. Maybe there was things that were oversights. I don't know. It's one of those things, you were you're so damn young, and it was all happening for the first time for us. So, it was really it was a fucking whirlwind but we were i mean i think i mean those are the years of like i thank god for being straight edge because those are the years that i remember everything and it was still a fucking tornado
0: yeah that's the other thing yeah you mentioned something i was going to ask later on you know being being straight edge during that time would have also been interesting because you guys despite in some ways being the underdog you guys were able to maintain a career while at that time the booms going on some of these bands who are just party bands would do an album and fizzle out. And I think probably probably having that, you know, clarity about you was able to help you in the long run as well.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I could only imagine, like, I can't, I can't deal with drunk people. I can't argue with them. i not, I remove myself from the room. I just can't do it. So I couldn't even imagine having multiples of that in a room and they're people you have to work with Mm. and you have to agree on things. Like I, it blows my mind that some bands don't break up quicker. (laughs) It's just crazy. But it's, I mean, those, some of those bands have this fucking magic and it just, it's only going to work because it's so toxic. But there's other times where you get really competent people that are together and they all play a role and they all just kind of like, all right, I think Bleeding Through did a really good job of like, all right, this is business, so no bullshit. Get on tour, have fun, but it was also work. And I think us, you know, accepting being on the road as much as often as we were, we we did a pretty good job of keeping our keeping ourselves paced. We 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 always joke about you know we we got burnt out for a little while and then we caught our second wind, like right around the declaration time. And we were all super stoked to get on the road. And that's when we were touring again, just as hard as we were at the beginning.
0: Yeah. Well that, that album though, I mean, I wanted to talk about that album because that album is, you know, anyone listening, if you've skimmed over it and haven't given it a proper listen, that album just felt like the melting pot of everything going right at the right time. You know, it's dark, it's bruising, it's heavy. It's um, got Devin Townsend behind the desk. It, but but there was some shit behind the scenes and, you know, you had issues with Trustkill, but do you feel like all of those issue, issues made it worth it or was it just an absolute nightmare scenario getting that night, that album out?
1: I think the only thing that got us through all that was our being young. I mean, nowadays, you know, I'm in my, I'm almost 40. So it's like when you get, shit pole on you when you, know, you you're you not getting what you're asking for or something like that It's it was only worth it back then I think because we were so young and we didn't know like what we were like what was ours and you know what we were what we were owed in a sense I, I don't really it's been so long and it's just been like dude, I didn't fucking know but during those declaration days was pretty fucking brutal that's why that record came out the way it did
0: yeah, well, Brandon, when he was on the show, um, didn't mince his words, and he was saying just the absolute shitstorm, the trust kill put you guys through, um, you know. And he, you guys, publicly came out about it on, I think that was yep. MySpace days. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think so. Yeah, it was MySpace days. Um,
1: but Did we d- borrowed money from our families. Yes. To get that record done.
0: Yep, and you had unpaid royalties and just the oh, delay. Yeah. Absolute chaos, man. Like shit storm.
1: It, it was pretty it was pretty fucking crazy. We were we were all in a pretty fucking dark place during making that record. It was weird. We were living in these extended stay apartments and they're like like borderline like grandma's house with the plastic on the chairs and shit. <laughs> like it really felt like you were staying in someone's auntie's house or like it was weird. And we were all just like living on like a really shitty per diem. And then, you know, the money went dry and then we, we get paid again. And it should be like, it would be like getting an allowance and it's like, it's up to you to what you spend it on, but I would probably save it for groceries.
2: Hmm.
1: I think the entire, we were up there for a month recording and I think the sun came out maybe once it rained most days. It was gray. Um, I went and I think a couple of us went to the movies once Other than that, like, it was just get up in the morning and walk to the studio down the road, and hang out in the studio, do your thing, and then go back. And it wasn't—I can't remember what time of the year it was, but wasn't it wasn't light out for very long. Fuck, because you're way up north. No
0: wonder it sounds so bleak and dark. Yeah,
1: it's—I every once in a while I come across, and I just I'm like I'm I'm listening to this record. I really liked. It was a stressful dark ass time for us all but I think we can all agree like we were we were like in the sweet spot like I think we were at our peak for that record and I'm cool it's a cool it's like it's a, there's bands will always put out one of those records and you'll never be able to recreate it it was the magic hour you were the right age you were hungry and that I I think personally that was our record and being up being up there definitely all the shit that we were going through and then being up there in the dark pretty much was that made that record. It was great.
0: It's got some, you know, undeniable bangers like Germany, uh, sister charlatan. I Midnight's mean, probably my favorite on it. Um, anyone that says they don't like that song is in fucking <laughs> denial. Um, such a banging, banging track to close an album on. And that was the thing that got me with that was, all the most of the songs were a little bit longer than what you guys had done, but then that one was nearly nine minutes. I think it's like eight minutes yeah, and something.
1: The Black Metal Opera. Oh, it's
0: it's the track, man. It's the fucking track. <laughs> no, that
1: was a fun song. Dude, that that song used to make me so fucking uncomfortable because I had to sing that part. <laughs> it, man, dude, it's you know singing and playing at the same time has not come easy to me over the years. It's literally the only reason I can do it is just through fucking repetition, man. Like, really? when I see p- real singer-songwriters who can play just about anything and sing over it, it's like, dude's a fucking alien.
0: <laughs> well, you do, I mean, without jumping forward um, too much, you do singing or screaming parts now. I
1: mean... Yeah, yeah, I, I always have, but just, like, through the years, it's gotten a little bit trickier, Like, like, more, or the timing's different. Like, in the very early... Years of bleeding through when I started singing. it was really like just harmonies, and they were pretty much like the key changes on the note change it's 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 easy timing to to play and sing if the if the note changes at the same time. But then as the years progressed, it got a little more detailed and brandon Brandon's lyrics are very wordy. Mm. so it's like he'll be the first to say. It. he's like, yeah, man I'm wordy. he he can get so many fucking words out. It's crazy. so trying to play and sing at the same time doing some stuff and like having like weird timing. It's the sister star, which especially, it was so funny. It was was just like, okay, here we fucking go. (laughs) But you get to a point one day, it just clicks and then literally the next day you're just like laughing yourself. You're like, you're dumb. How did you not figure that out? It's so simple.
0: But It's, I mean, that song is just, yeah, the struggles that you went through to get it, nail it, in is is worth it because it's just it's just one of those tracks,
1: man. Thanks, oh. dude. That's fun. A fun song to do for sure. Now the, you know,
0: before there was a couple of albums released from bleeding through before you went on the you know the breakup or the hiatus, whatever people want to call about. And I remember you guys coming down to Australia. Um, I got a really close friend of mine, Timmy, who I think he went to literally every show. We went to oh, nearly every show, but one of the tour. I went to two of them. Um, you know, when that decision came around to kind of call it a day, you know, for a while. But it was call it the day. You guys were serious about calling it a day. Was it a mm-hmm. Was it a case of just enough's enough? We're burnt out. We're growing up <laughs> now. We're getting a bit older, and maybe things need to be really reevaluated.
1: Yeah, um, we started when we were. So young. I mean, Brandon was doing 18 visions, going on to bleeding through. I I joined Bleeding Through when I was nineteen, I believe. And they had already been doing it for like a year or two. But I think the the tour I did with them was like their only their second full US or whatever. But um everyone was just that's all they wanted to do. That's all everyone ever wanted to do. Everything took a backseat. Touring was what we did. And we did a shitload of it. So it got to the point, you know, uh, drummer got married, guitar player got married, drummer had kids, guitar player had kids, singer got married. Like everyone, you know, they're start, home life's starting to happen. You're getting older. Brandon opens a business, his his gym. Uh, I went back to, we, we took a little bit of a break uh, and slashed writing a record we took a break into the writing process so it ended up being like a year and uh, I went back to school um, and pretty much just like went back to school until we heard what we were going to do next and then uh, we did a couple tours and it just got really hard to start booking shows like just booking tours and getting everyone's schedules to line up and everyone had this and you know members started quitting because they were I think Brian was the first to go because uh, you know he he wanted to he went to school to be an electrician. You know he's he's got kids now, so every just life happened and it, it just got everyone's schedules just got harder and harder. Now you know now Marta's got, just had her second kid, so even just like trying to get a show in there to play, you got to get six people's schedules to line up who have kids and careers. She owns a bar now with her husband, so it's just like she's got to leave her business and, you know, make sure it gets, it gets ran properly. So it's, it's a pain in the ass.
0: Yeah. But it's a natural thing. I think that fans of bands sometimes forget is, you know, as you said, life changes, life evolves, people grow up and priorities, priorities change,
1: but I'm just glad we're still doing it.
0: Well, that's what I mean. I mean, it leads me to the natural, like you clearly after what, four nearly five years something in you guys decided to you know do it again i know the touring is now Mm -hmm. limited you do selected shows when you can but what was it like to finally come back into the same room with the same five six other people and see each
1: other again i think from the beginning it was it should have been more of like a hiatus thing i know um because Brandon called me once. He's like, Hey man, I got to talk to you. And he kind of like made the individual calls. His personal business was getting really busy. And it was like, obviously bands don't last forever. You have to have something unless you're lucky, but you got to get, you got to have that backup plan, something to fall back on. And that was his thing. It was his gym. He needed to be there full time. And then at the same time, everyone was kind of on the same page. It's like, yeah, being home's nice, you know, working, getting a, a normal paycheck and stuff like that. And I was still kind of just into like, I'm, I'm still, I I'm still ready to go. Like I still want to So I, I, we all kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll probably do something some other day. Like, so we probably should have just called it a hiatus, but we literally, we come, we came back, Brandon texted everybody and goes how uh, would you guys like to do another record and everyone's just like sounds fun let's do it there's no stress involved you know you don't have anybody talking about you because we're not you know we're not one of the bigger bands anymore and it's just like we can kind of just, just do what we want and if someone wants to sign it then cool if not then who wants to we get to do what we wanted yeah,
0: but clearly also fans cared because you know "Love Will Kill All" was really well received, from what I noticed. I mean, me and all the boys absolutely peeped the hell out of it. I'm looking at the vinyl on my shelf at the moment. I mean, it was it was well received.
1: Yeah, it's it was really cool. It was you know we did it we did it just in time. I think you know if we waited a little too long, generational gap. You know, there's kids that are just into different stuff. But because we toured so much and we we stayed you know in the in the mainstream in our genre as long as we could I think that kind of made some diehard fans and made some kids that'll always come back plus you're always gonna get the people that come back to check it out you know I used to listen to this band in high school and there was no stress involved so I think it was just kind of we it came out really organically I guess like hey we're we said we're gonna going to break up but we really miss it and we really want to do a record and we still like each other so what's not why wouldn't we do it and we would meet up every once in a while some people would be in the studios by themselves with the producer other times we'd meet up in a group and whoever wants to hey we're gonna go record this wednesday whoever wants to show up can show up so it was really just a hangout and people just throw in ideas and some people had full song ideas some people just had riffs And it was just a total hangout and there was no pressure because there was no due date or anything. And that's, that's my style. That's what I enjoy.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you can see that you can hear the, um, the band feels, you know, unhinged in many ways that there's no pressure. And there's been, I've seen that Brandon has shared around that, you know, there's obviously another thing in the works or possibly another thing in the works for you guys. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's obviously become a thing where you now do it for fun not not long, no longer under restraints and requirements
1: oh yeah now nowadays it's it's people take off a week from work and we hit the road and go play like a festival or you know a couple of years ago we did a couple of shows in europe and then flew right back home so you know some people are on you know paid vacation from work in their home life and they're just gonna be like you know hey see you kids i gotta run to germany for three days i'll be back (laughs) so it's we still it's it's kind of like what i would think someone who doesn't want to do music full time and doesn't want the stress of it but really misses like the the old days of touring and being a kid and just like really good memories when you and i think hardcore bands have a better a better chance at doing it than like rock bands and things like that, just because the community is closer, but you can come back after years and just like do some shows. Mm. And nowadays with the festivals in the States are starting to pop up more and more often. It's, it's starting to become more like Europe where all summer long, there's just festivals everywhere. That was never a thing. It was always just like Warped Tour and Ausfest and then Taste of Chaos and all that stuff. But there was always something replacing, and there was only a few. But nowadays, with some festivals, you get some old bands that like come out of retirement. And it's there's no stress, and it's you could tell there's just dudes that just want to play. And I think that's what a lot of dudes strive for. Like bleeding through is so much fun now, because there's no stress involved. I
0: love it, man. I just also love it because one of my all-time favorite bands is still releasing music. You know, as <laughs> as an Australian, I probably don't get the. The chance to see you guys live as often, but as long as I've got music to digest, keeps me fucking happy, man. Like mm-hmm. I
1: mean, Dude, well, is my favorite place to tour, and I come there every fucking chance that we get offered. So I'm just waiting for that phone call.
0: Well, I mean, hopefully we get it again, and um, y- you know, I'm nearly forty myself. You know, it's cons- consuming music is I can do safely from home. Um, so I, I, <laughs> no injuries No, no injuries are involved uh, You know, <laughs> last thing before I want to start getting into some of the um, Devil you know, light your torch stuff Is, you know, mm. the, the, as I mentioned There's the tease on there that music's being written Have you guys got advanced into that process? Or is it pretty early in that process?
1: Skeletons, just ideas Okay We. It's such a slow process It's just kind of like when people are hanging out some songs get trashed. Some songs' ideas are just like, put that one in the vault for later. <laughs> so, you know, and, and you know, uh, and Brandon and our producer, Mick, he, they live really close to each other. So it's like he just kind of like cruises over there every once in a while and jots some stuff down. So it's, it's probably one of the most casual recording processes.
0: I like it. But though. at least it's, it's pretty nice. At least it's happening. Something's happening the
1: main yeah. thing. Sorry we got up to make people wait, but hey man. It's worth it, it, man.
0: We didn't even <laughs> think we were going to get another one after 2014. So we, we got one in 2018. So that was a bonus in itself. Well, there so, you go. So there you go. You gotta look at things on the positive. Um <laughs> you know you mentioned about when when you guys with bleeding through, you know, decided to take a pause that you were one of the ones that was like, well I still want to do something. And that certainly showed because around 2013 you linked up with Devil You Know, which a lot of people may or may not know is, everyone calls it like a supergroup group um, kind of thing. <laughs> I, it's it's weird when you see that th- phrase thrown around. But, you know, it. it's people from previous bands or previous outings coming together. And how did you initially kind of find your way into that? Because this is another style of music that you're not, known for. I mean this is a bit yeah. different to bleeding through.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was it was kind of a surreal thing you know bleeding through was on the outs we'd already all decided that we were gonna be done. We had done Australia's final tour, Europe final tour, and we were on our break before we were going to be doing three two or three weeks in the States and got a phone call. Um, I was out on a fishing trip actually on our local mountains and I got back to the town and my phone started going off and it was, um, uh, Mike Gitter. Um, he used to work for a label and then became the Vans manager and known to known do for a long time, but like, we're not like great friends. We just know each other through the music scene and touring and whatnot. But, um, I get a message from him saying, you know, like, Hey, I hear a rumor, you know, bleeding through is pretty much done. You guys are just finishing stuff. Uh, I have an interesting thing. You might, you know, some, something you might be into, give me a call. So I call him right back and it was basically telling me, you know, Howard was back and he was doing a project with, with some of the guys in other bands. And it's, uh, uh, Francesca from all shall perish who I, I knew that band. So I'm just like, okay. And so they're looking for a bass player. Um, uh, they have harmonies on the record. So they kind of, they're looking for a bass player that sings and someone threw out your name. So it was really just a like, got my name thrown in a hat. And then I got the the phone call and then they called me a couple days later. And then I went out for an audition and kind of snowballed from there.
0: So, 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 so as you said previously with like singing and playing instrument, they were like, "This guy's great at
1: it," and you were like, uh, "I, anything. I mm. was just like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into." <laughs> I sang, but it, it was, you know, there's not a ton of it, and they're looking specifically for someone who does backing vocals for all the harmonies that Howard did on the record. So I'm just like, "There's stuff I can play, and there's stuff that I can't." You know, it's some shit is can get really tricky to sing and play at the same time, but uh, they couldn't release any of the music to me so i had to learn it on the spot
2: oh.
1: and sing it <laughs> so, so it was just like walk in the room they're facing one direction and i'm facing the other direction i was using uh fear factory's uh bass rig Ooh. Uh, It was their rehearsal room that we were borrowing so it's just like I'm on one side of the room; they're on the other side watching. I'm just like, all right, let's get awkward. <laughs> it was super awkward, but it's like we all we all knew the fucking drill. It's just like it's rehearsal rooms sound like garbage. Everyone's nervous. You're never gonna get the exceptional take, but it's if you've played in bands long enough, I guess you can kind of you get the gist of someone. You can tell someone's really good, even if they're nervous you'd be like you could see the nerves on them you can you could see after hanging out for a little bit the cobwebs kick off same thing happens when you rehearse for tours you're just like wow we really suck <laughs> and then you go through the set list a few times and you're like okay there you go and then you show up for the first sound check on stage and you get the real sound and it's like oh, okay we're we're all right so it's kind of one of those situations where it's just like they just needed to see how i sounded in person and I didn't, had never met any of them before. It was just the drummer and the guitar player. And then it was like, ask me some questions. How do you feel about touring? how, how you know, Do you want to go on tour a lot? She asked some probing questions. And then it was like, all right, cool. Uh, we'll uh, we'll call you. Or not. <laughs> and I think I went like a month before they ever called me back. Oh. But I got the phone call while I was on the very last Bleeding Through tour. Uh, we got to the first show on that tour in denver and i went from like walking around town in denver going like man i don't know when i'll ever see denver again like i don't i don't have a reason to come up here other than i'd like to come up here on vacation sometime but like i used to come here all the time and now this like might be coming to an end and then by like the middle of that day i got a phone call and they're like uh yeah you uh you got the gig if you want it and we're going to Australia for the first tour and we're playing Soundwave. <laughs> and we're playing directly under the last band, which is Avenged Sevenfold. You'll be after Rob Zombie, or was it White Zombie? I can't remember if it was uh, Rob's Rob, band or if Rob it was White yeah. Zombie. Yeah. But one of those bands, then us, then Avenged Sevenfold, end of Soundwave. <laughs> we didn't have a record out. There was one demo. It was the demo version of one of the songs off the first W No record. And that's the only thing that was out. And they threw us on that tour and it was just like, yeah, sure. I'll take the gig. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, and then, and the management calls, you know, negotiate a price and, and then we just leave on tour and, or, you know, we, we rehearse for a couple days and we just leave. And it's just like, what the fuck, man? It's so surreal.
0: I do. I remember that sound wave as well because everyone was like, oh, it's, um, Howard Jones's new band with um you know you know Ryan and all of this stuff and everyone's like oh okay so what's it sound like ah uh, we don't know but
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, what it was so weird and the, I mean it's... no one no one would have ever been able to do that like <laughs> no. going over and playing Sally with a, with the record's not even out yet no. it's just like <laughs> you know it was it was the right right timing right thing and it was just like all right you know here we are let's do it
0: well not only that but i mean like you said the position of the on the performance on Soundwave was not like you know if you guys were one of the first in the day you could maybe understand kind of thing you know you're working out whatever you're doing but yeah you're, you're on a slot where everyone's going to notice you you know because everyone's still there kind of thing
1: uh-huh. insane it was it was it was interesting
0: um, you know, and for a while the momentum was really going, I mean, beauty of destru- destruction and then they bleed red and then mm-hmm. there was the whole chaos and shit storm over legal issues and the change of name. But, you know, it seemed like you guys weren't worried about that. What, but was there a worry that you were having to start everything again? Was there any concern over that?
1: Oh yeah. If anybody said they weren't, they'd be lying. It was, hey, do you want to take, do you want to take this thing that we've been building? And I mean, I hadn't even been working on it as long as they had. I mean, they had been working for years before they ever saw the light of day as a band. So the start for me was not the start for them. So even with me, it's like we had been going for a while. We'd done tours. You know, we 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 went Soundwave, Black Label Society, and down. We did a Lacuna Coil tour. We did an Atreyu tour. We did a um, uh, uh, Coal Chamber tour, like all these tours. And we are starting to, you know, get a name for ourselves. And then we go over to Europe and we had already decided that we were probably going to, you know, we, we need, we're going to be doing a new record, but what do we do? And we just, we were in a position where we were like, Let's we're kind of screwed. So let's just change it up. We let's do a different name. Let's do just a little bit different sound, but it's exactly what we wanted It came out naturally, but it was definitely like, uh, let's make a little effort to like, make it a little bit more appealing to a larger crowd. And, you know, I've been doing bleeding through my whole life. So I got all the, all the, the heavy music blast beat bugs out of my system. Like, I mean, I, I, I prefer, I still love breakdowns. I love heavy music. I don't ever not want to play in a heavy band, but I wanted, I had always wanted to do something that was kind of like rock ish. I can do backups. So it's like, I want to try doing a little more. So it came like at the perfect time. And then Francesco was just coming out with these songs that were just like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. Okay, let's, let's go. And then we really considered changing the name. And then we said, we're not going anywhere until we figure all this out. And then we went to the studio.
0: And that first one that you released under under what is now called Light the Torch is Revival. And like you said, it, it's, it's accessible, but it's not accessible in a negative downplay. It's accessible in the people will come to this band because of Howard or yourself or, you know, these kind of things, but then people who don't listen to heavy music can come to this. So it allows you to broaden your horizons, your tours, your audience...
1: Mm -hmm. oh I have I have family members that have never really mentioned anything about my music but you know I had an aunt the other day when we released uh it was either like the second or third single that we put out uh she like texted me and she was on Facebook I guess and saw through our Facebook and she's like I love this and she's like (laughs) all right (laughs) you know my mom my my parents love it you know there's it's it's something I can you know when my when I'm walking the dog around the neighborhood and I end up crossing paths with the same people all the time. So we've gotten to know each other and they always ask, you know, especially during quarantine, they're just like, we see you walking all the time. Like, what do you do? (laughs) And I'm like, well, this is what I do, but I don't do it right now. And, uh, you know, it, I could tell them and they, they look it up. And like the next time I see them, they're like, we had no idea. And I'm like, well, why would you? And then, it's like they they're we love it and you see these people and you're like i would have thought you would have hated it you know the first the first song has screaming in it you know but if you make it through it's like dude i've had some interesting people that weren't into any of the other stuff that they're they're into it so it's, it's definitely accessible
0: well i mean these three new singles for the, for the new album which comes out what two weeks less than yeah, on the 25th. 25th. 25th of June, You Will Be the Death of Me. Seems like it's got some great buzz as well. And they're all a little bit different from each other. But, you know, we've been communicating for a while. And I know there's been some issues, obviously, with COVID throwing things around. But can you yeah. can you tell us about the delays and issues you had just getting this bloody album together?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, man, we, we had started the writing process and we were going on tour. We had just done three tours back to back and we we're just like really tired, but we knew we were going into the writing process afterwards. And uh, we kinda, everything was ready to go. We we started going in the studio and then right at the end of the studio, like around December, 2019, you know at that time i believe we already knew we were going on tour with kill switch so we were you know oh man it's you know we we got a new record coming out that's done they didn't know about it at the time it was done so we could talk about it now we're like all right you know we're we're in the studio right now and then we're doing this tour and getting back in the studio and we're have a, a record and then it was like everything closed down everything, closed up shop. And it was like, all right, cool. We have a record that we have to sit on for a year, Mm -hmm. which was pretty funny because we sat on beauty or we revival, we sat on revival for a year too, dealing with all the legal issues and making sure we were all good to go. Dotting our I's, crossing our T's. And then it was like, okay, cool. Here's the release date. And it was months and months and months. And it was almost a year to the day that we finished it, that we released it. And it's it's like, man, almost, almost made it again. I mean. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: It's insane. But, I mean, one thing that is good is that you guys are going to get it out and touring is something that's slowly phasing back in. You know, festivals are popping up everywhere. So, I mean, obviously the delay is annoying, but it's going to work out for you guys because you can get out and play shows soon.
1: Yeah, it was was a blessing in disguise. I mean, we wanted to put the record out earlier, but once everything shut down, it was like, okay, now what do we do? But everyone was in the same boat. We had the record done. We we didn't need to deal with any traveling arrangements or getting someone somewhere to finish anything. That would have been a nightmare. So we got really lucky with that, and it was just waiting around to see what was going to happen. And then we kind of stretched it out a little bit, but we had time to really get things the way we wanted, like visually and the audio, all the layout of the vinyl, the way things are going to go. You know, we we've released three songs up to the date. Uh, we, we are going to do a, a streaming show. So it's like, there's all this stuff that we had time to do in preparation for releasing and then being home, it was like a little bit easier to pay attention to things.
0: So you are going to do the live show. Yeah. So, I mean, are you excited about that? I mean, that's a foray into something. that's a bit different for what you're used to. It's a different environment. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. It it's, it's going to be a good time, but I, I think it's kind of the plug doing, doing streaming shows I think are just going to be a new thing added. I don't think it's going to take over anything. I just think, it's going to be just become a new thing for bands to do almost kind of like how, how uh comedians have specials on netflix mm. stuff like that i could see i mean you'd have to be a bit more artistic and i don't know if the the money's in it but, but i mean there could be a whole a whole avenue that you could go down i mean you have a stage things can be recorded so i mean you could get if you're like a, a, a visual kind of like a band like tool if they were to do a streaming show imagine how crazy that show would be
0: that'd be insane
1: like having that kind of production and being able to edit it and it'd be like it would be like a going to the movies to see like a dvd release of like a live performance hmm. it would be, it'd be gnarlier than what you could see live probably
0: what about um you know the drumming situation on this album you know, I've read a few spots and I don't know if it's correct or not that Alex of Whitechapel's behind the kit
1: yeah, he did our he did our record with us.
0: That's insane. Like that is a yeah. that is a man with some chops as well. I mean one
1: of one of the one of the upsides of so the the band members in, in the band are me, Howard, and Francesco, mm. not in that order. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's uh, so we we've gotten. I mean it's it's a pain. Like I mean we we'll find someone. Like we'll find the guy someday but we're not in a hurry. This this project that turned into Light the Torch has been such a fucking crazy, unpredictable ride that most people really only get to experience once, and we're all doing it for a second time. So we're being really, really cautious about things and who we let into our circle, and we've had people fill in for us, and it has nothing to do other than Some people just don't fit the group Mm. and other times it's just like, you're just hired for a couple tours and it's not that we don't like you. It's just, we have the ability to have options. So it's like, it's like being a singer of like a solo project, but you're so well known that you can pick your band. Mm. Oh, this album I want to have slash on guitar and the, and you'll call them and they'll be like, of course I'll play like that. That's fucking awesome. So the fact that we have like the ability to like have someone that we were interested in, you know, Francesco had mentioned him a couple times. I've seen videos of him doing playthroughs and stuff like that. I'm like, damn, that guy's crazy. You know, he just reached out to him and i like, hey, you know, we're interested in doing a record and he was interested and it worked out perfectly.
0: I can't wait to hear the whole album in full. Um, and as I said, June 25th, you will be the death of me. Um, it's exciting. And thankfully for you guys, you finally get it out. Um, and then, you know, get to touring and, you know, now this is all, you know, so old for you guys. I wouldn't be surprised if it won't be too long and you'll be back to working on the grind for a <laughs> next one.
1: Probably. Yeah, we've been, it's, it's felt like an eternity I'm trying to get this record out. I'm really, it's finally seeing the light of day. It's crazy. It's kind of, it's kind of like even holding your breath for a while.
0: Um, and it looks like it's going well with reception. So I mean, that's even better. I mean, the last thing you want to do is release it and people don't care. So, oh,
1: man, yeah, that that would be a huge bummer, <laughs> yeah. especially um, after being at home for an entire year of not touring. <laughs> yeah.
0: Then you release it and everyone's like,
1: yeah, yeah. Eh. You just go, all right, we're gonna go tour, and people are like, who cares?
0: <laughs> go back and have another year off. Oh, uh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Brutal. Now, we are going to wrap up, Brian, with um, something that everyone gets on this show. And mm. it's called Pick Your Poison. Now, mm. it sounds deadly, but it's not deadly. What What it is, is um, I'm going to give you two options and you pick your favorite of the two. You do not need to justify your answer, but you're welcome <laughs> to. Now, okay. The thing about this is I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not going to say it's hard. But all I'm going to say is there are people that tune in specifically for this and they will be listening very intensely at your answers. Okay.
1: Okay. Pressure's on.
0: Now, are you going a pizza or a burger? Oh,
1: I'm going burger.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, Ribs or brisket? Brisket. Okay. Mars bar or Snickers? Snickers. Snickers. Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, I think he's finding it a bit easy at the moment. Um, chicken or beef? Beef. Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese. Smooth peanut butter or crunchy
1: peanut butter? Ah, oh, get that fucking shit out of here, dude! Crunchy all the way.
0: Oh, even though it rips up your bread.
1: Yeah. Really? Dude, savagery, savagery. <laughs> Eat your sandwich and be a man.
0: <laughs> Soft taco or crunchy taco?
1: Ooh, shit okay see now see it's getting it's getting harder i'll go uh i'll go crunchy okay i like texture
0: uh coffee or tea mm, coffee okay uh can of coke or a can of pepsi Ooh, coke okay uh taco or nacho
1: oh, taco simplicity reasons Are you having extra guac
0: or no guac
1: um, there's no such thing as no guac. Um, I don't believe in you as a person if you don't get guac and always extra.
0: Yes, exactly. Best answer.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Thank you. A marshmallow or a pretzel? Ooh, ooh marshmallow. Okay. Um, last food one before we get into the next section. Uh, fudge or caramel?
1: Caramel. Okay.
0: Now, you're going to have your last ever meal. Do you want it at home or do you want to have it out at a restaurant?
1: Home, fuck right. yeah, introvert all the way, bro. <laughs> I ain't going anywhere.
0: New movie comes out. You're gonna go to the cinema or watch on the couch?
1: Oh man, cinema! I haven't been to a cinema all year, man.
0: Oh, it's nothing beats it, but it is. It, it, I don't know about there, but it is bloody expensive over here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I got. I got kind of lucky. I had a family member who used to get movie like the vouchers, get mm. certificates for like half off. Ooh. So like. Every Christmas we would get some, and I used to go to the movies a lot when I was younger. So it was like I don't think I've paid for a movie in like ten years.
0: Well, we have a thing here. I, I, <laughs> I, I wonder if any Australians respond to me with this, but we used to have a thing. I don't know if it still exists, but it was called Tight Ass Tuesdays, and if you went to the <laughs> cinema, if you went to the cinema on a Tuesday, your tickets were half price. But I don't know if it still exists, but it was. I think.
1: Oh, I thought it was gonna be something like if you had a real tight ass, you got in for. <laughs> They're
0: like, mm, nice, get in for free. Yeah. Um, nah, mate, move
1: along. <laughs> spend the
0: day at the beach or spend the day at the snow. Oh, beach. Okay. Um, cat or dog? Dog. Terminator or Predator? Ooh, that's a hard one. I think I'll go Predator. Okay. Rambo or Rocky? rambo james bond or jason Bourne.
1: Bourne. oh nice. nice he's my it's my era yeah
0: uh, the only thing is i really he he, he kind of needs to chill out sometimes everywhere he goes <laughs> he thinks someone's <laughs> listening to him or you know spying yeah
1: him. but uh-huh. you know you also got to take into effect the time i don't think bond would last too well no. i think he would get take i think he would get taken out by women quicker than he'd be taken out by a killer
0: that is so true.
1: Even though oh ones, he's sh- a lot of shit you just can't say anymore.
0: No, but the thing about Bond is apparently the next Bond is going to be a female. So, oh, that's, okay. That's, that's the rumor. Well, the new, I wish
1: I would have known that before I gave my answer.
0: No, that's okay. Like it's <laughs> it's you know it's not confirmed, but there's rumors going around that the new one that comes out in November, there's a character in it who's female, and she's the female 007, and that one will be the next Bond for the next movie so that's the room oh, okay
1: so. all right i hope they give a, I hope there's a male sidekick and they give them like a ridiculous name <laughs> <laughs> just total role reversal
0: that would actually be a really good idea they better be
1: hilarious
0: um star wars or star trek mm, star wars south park or simpsons south park slayer or pantera pantera Terra. Or Madball.
1: Ooh, Madball.
0: Um, Metallica or Megadeth.
1: Ooh, Metallica, because Black Album was my
0: childhood. Offspring
1: or Green Day. <laughs> shit, that's that is <laughs> fourth through seventh grade for me. Both of those bands continuously, but I, shit, I think I went deeper with Green Day, so I'd have to go with Green Day.
0: Uh, throwdown or hate breed?
1: Oh, I, shit! How violent are you? On what day? Uh,
0: it's a Monday,
1: and, and you <laughs> It's hate a Monday? It. Yeah. Oh, then probably hate breed.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I and mean, throwdown will get you through the rest of the week.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, throwdown. Yeah, you know, every other day, definitely.
1: Throwdown's like motivational.
0: Mm-hmm. But,
1: until. I think Throwdown was motivational until Dave Peters took over the mic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Shots no, fired. No, no,
1: like <laughs> he, I think he may have even said that himself. He goes, "I swear to god I've heard that somewhere maybe." But if you listen to if you listen to Throwdown, Keith was way more positive and then when Dave took over, it got more violent.
0: Yeah, look, I had Dave on the show and he he said that, you know, he um he loved every aspect of it, but then oh, he, his best reaction, he said was how, when the band decided to just change things up and go like Pantera. Um, and, yeah. And then the amount of hate they got
1: and he was like, well, fuck you. This
0: is what I want to do. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, yeah. That they, was... I mean, you, you can't keep doing, you know, just what they want. I dude, the uh, fucking, it's terrible. I can't remember the record that they put up. Venom, Venom I and really, Tears. Ven, is it Venom? No, not Venom and Tears. It was a, it was a much later one. It's got like, the eyeball on it. Oh,
0: um, Shit. Deathless.
1: Yes, I like it. I love it. Yeah, I like. I loved it, the stuff afterward. It. It's just. It wasn't throwdown, and I think that's what the problem kids kids had. It's like if if they would have started a different band and they put that record out, like I think they, kids would have wrapped their head around it a little easier.
0: Yeah, I I also probably think it was it was more catered to people of our age bracket who were open to listening to bands like Pantera. For sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, they were, they were the, the hardcore straightest anthem band for in the United States for mm. forever until and then it branched out to Europe and all Australia and all that.
0: Great band. Um, God damn. such a sick those, band. those dudes. Um, okay. Last few, you're getting back. You're playing shows. There's no barrier. There's no security. Do you want stage dives happening or mic grabs happening?
1: Um, stage dives and speaker dives. Ooh, nice. Um, Yeah.
0: You're going to go to a show. Now, you, do you want to watch it from the pit or by the sound desk?
1: 16-year-old <laughs> uh, me would be in, in the pit. And now my back only allows me to be at the soundboard. Well, so I, I'm 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 taking in the quality of sound. i and standing in the perfect spot.
0: I think my last mosh pit was probably. Oh, I'm probably looking back. Probably my last two. I know I got in the pit for you guys on your farewell tour, and I got in the pit for Ghost Inside the last time they played oh, in Australia. But that man. would be it. Like we're talking How old.
1: How feeling?
0: Well, uh, man, my knees are now aching just thinking dude, about being dude. in the pit. Um, I can't do it. No. Uh, I mean, I just, I, I, I like watching it, but I ain't getting in. Like, no.
1: Nah. Oh, yeah, no. Nah, no, nah. nah, that's Young Buck shit. No.
0: Nah. And also, I mean, hey, you know, I I kind of don't need my face looking worse than it is, so please no punching me in the face. Yeah,
1: I never really used to think of like my insurance premium <laughs> yeah. while I was moshing when I was younger. Now I'm like, oh god damn it, am I a network?
0: <laughs> how much how much is this gonna cost me this month? Yeah,
1: you call you call the emergency room ahead of time to make sure that they cover you. Yes, and it's like what the. F- fuck you gonna do if they don't you're still going (laughs)
0: because we old because we old um now this second last one you need to imagine that they exist in their own right but would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life
1: tour that shit is a fucking adventure with no map nice
0: fuck yeah um last one i'm gonna give you your all-time favorite album and the way I give it to you is the only way you can listen to it. Do you want to? <laughs> do you want it okay. on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? Ooh.
1: So um. So what's the scenario again?
0: Well, name your all-time favorite album.
1: Okay. Oh shit. God damn.
0: And the one front way- to
1: back, front to back. Okay.
0: Yeah, and that album that album that you figure out is your all-time favorite album you can only listen to it this way so oh, shit. you can't mess about with what you pick
1: okay i would i think i might go alice in chains acoustic mtv unplugged ooh nice and i might do vinyl
0: oh nice good choice i like that yeah. i
1: think as long as, you know, I'm not stuck on an island where that shit's going to melt in the sun
0: <laughs> and, and I can you have, listen
1: to it properly.
0: Well, you also, if you're stuck on the island, you need to make sure you got electricity. I mean, there's no guarantee on that.
1: Mm. Hey, man, I'll sit on a bike and create electricity <laughs> and listen to that album.
0: Yeah, When you crash land, you just happen to crash land with a bunch of solar panels and... A fucking generator. One
1: hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. although those new lithium ion, this thing, they're fucking light. Oof. You fit at least two in a backpack. You're good.
0: Yeah, lifesavers, right there. Yeah. Um, dude, first first thing, um, thank you for giving me your time, your energy, um, and, and for being part of the show. Um
1: Absolutely, no. I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> it took a minute.
0: Wow, it took us a minute to. Well, I think probably took us over a year, maybe a year and a half. But it was,
1: but it was <laughs> yeah, a... I did. I couldn't talk about shit for like a whole year. I couldn't talk about anything,
0: but it was worth it, man. Like for me as a fan, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm um, glad it worked out.
1: It, it means a
0: lot. Um, I'm really appreciative of it. Um, I know the listeners will love it. Um, but yeah, a lot of love, a lot of respect and a lot of appreciation. It's, it's yeah. Look, it's just another bucket list thing for me. You know, I'm going on to nearly 170 guests. Um, and Brad, just, that's awesome, man. Just glad I, You know, be able to say I've got you on now, so it's um, I'm stoked. Thank you, man.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, man.
0: Um, hopefully one day soon you get to Australia. Um, I'll take you out
1: for a well, I
0: don't know, maybe
1: a pizza. Yeah, we'll take you out for pizza. pizza. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. You Um, come out here, I'll take you for burgers.
0: Oh, okay. All right.
1: right. In and out. Uh,
0: And I'll make sure. Um, I'll make sure if 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 you decide you want Mexican, I'll get you
1: lots of guac. I'll get you lots. (laughs) There you go okay um 250 extra <laughs>
0: yeah it's worth it it's
1: worth it it's good it, it is good good answer
0: um look i'll stay in touch um down the track let's let's even do a part two but yeah i'll let you go and um thank you again
1: absolutely man thank you
0: all right take care all right see all right, you right, bye So that was my chat with Ryan of Bleeding Through and also of Light the Torch. And the first track you heard at the end there was Let Me Fall Apart. And the second track you heard was More Than Dreaming. Both of those are by Light the Torch and both of those are singles from their forthcoming album titled You Will Be the Death of Me. That sees its release June 25th through Nuclear Blast Records. The third track was Death Anxiety from Bleeding Through from their album Declaration. And the final track was also by Bleeding Through, titled Fade Into The Ash, which is from their most recent album, Love Will Kill All. Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the music, or you enjoyed the conversation at the end there, now's your chance. Jump online. Consume the fuck out of this music. So much there. So much to enjoy. If you're into physicals, get online, get yourself a CD, get yourself a vinyl. And lastly, if you're into merch, make sure you jump online and cop yourself a shirt, a hoodie, or some shorts. I need to take this moment to thank Ryan again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Look forward to touching base again with you soon, and look forward to doing another chat. And that's it. That's The Mosh Zone, episode 166. Done, dusted, or wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that We need your help to get out to more listeners, so if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias our website is www.themoshzone.com our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter also don't forget you can also get in touch through our email address which is themoshzone at gmail.com get in touch guys help us grow this Mosh Zone community there's not much else to talk about that is all of my rambling done thank you for tuning in Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pit.